Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You ever seen a ghost? Been abducted? Heard your name whispered from the other room when you're all alone? No, you say? Me either. But if you're like me, you're still fascinated by the paranormal. It seems everyone else has had an experience, and you want to believe it all. So why doesn't it happen to us? What does it all mean? How does it work? Is any of it real? Welcome to Paranorm Girl, a show that will attempt to answer these questions by taking the paranormal completely apart in search of proof. I'm not a blind believer, nor a hardened skeptic. I'm just looking for answers and willing to accept what I find. 1975. George and Kathy Lutz, along with their three kids and their dog, moved into their new home at 112 Ocean Avenue on the south shore of Long Island. 28 days later, they would flee in the middle of the night with a story to tell. A story about a demonic face with red eyes in the window, cloven hoof prints in the snow, green oozing slime, a levitating wife, doors flying off hinges, slamming cabinets, and a deep, growling, inhuman voice telling a priest to get out, as he was forced back with painful blisters forming on his hands. Afterward, numerous ghost investigators and psychics and mediums would visit the home and all agree that there was indeed something demonic happening in that house. The family would go on to collaborate with an author to write a book based on 45 hours of recorded testimony, all about their true life, horrifying experiences that took place in this hell house. And the book would be a success, spawning 12 movies related to this haunting. Of course, I am speaking of the Amityville Horror, one of the most famous demonic haunting and infestation cases of the last century, and unfortunately, a complete fabrication crafted over a few bottles of wine between George, Kathy, and the original attorney who defended Butch DeFeo, the man responsible for the massacre of his family in that same house prior to the new family moving in. The hoax would ultimately be revealed by that attorney, William Weber, who had been hoping to have another crack at the original alibi for his client of the demons made him do it. Were there any grains of truth to it? We may never know. Was it a case of demonic infestation? Were there malevolent forces at play here? No, not according to Joe Nickel, who you might recall from the Exorcist episode, who did some incredible investigative work debunking those claims as well. And not according to researcher Rick Moran, who found more than a hundred factual errors and discrepancies in the story told in the book that came out and not according to the priest, who supposedly was told to get out and driven away by the demons. He would tell Moran that he never saw anything in that house. And of course, not according to Weber, who helped to fabricate a story of demons and demonic activity so haunting, so riveting, so fear-driving and bias-confirming that this admitted hoax is still widely believed to be true. And the fabrication of demons is the case more often than you would expect. Welcome back to the Paranorm Girl podcast. I am your host, Kristen. 
Before we begin, want to take a moment to thank My Rental Company for their continued support of the show. Based out of Pullman, Washington, they are truly the area's go-to for high-quality rental properties. These guys make what could be a stressful experience of moving very easy, and you'll find yourself in a beautiful house that you can call home. Give them a call, 509-338-4653. My Rental Company. Your property is our priority. Also want to shout out to our friends over at Wicked Cat Clothing. Spooky season doesn't last just a month. Shop Wicked Cat Clothing year-round to get your horror, paranormal, spooky, and Halloween apparel. Go to Wicked Cat Clothing and shop apparel and accessories now. Save 30% off with code PARANORMGIRL30. And now, back to the show. So, you've made it this far into the season. Congratulations! Either you are all about this massive lesson on demons but are new here and therefore don't know what's a-coming in this episode, or you're one of my more skeptical listeners, and you've been looking forward to this. Either way, glad you're here. Um, let's cut to the chase. The demon and possession phenomenon is highly explainable via alternative possibilities. Kristen, how could you? I know, I'm the worst. Look, here's the dealio. I'm going to lay out a bunch of logical explanations for both possession and experiencing demonic entities themselves in this one. I am just relaying what I have found. Stick around, though. I think you might actually agree with a bunch of this, no matter which side of the fence you are on. Let's start with possession. Mental illness. We've talked about it before. Depending on which mental illness we are talking about, whether it be schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, dissociative disorder, borderline personality disorder, they can all be mistaken for demonic possession. There are aspects to some, such as delusions, hallucinations, dissociating from self, and feeling like something else controls you, monitors you, watches you. These symptoms can all contribute to either the encouraged diagnosis or self-diagnosis of demonic possession. And psychosis, or having a break with reality, can lead one to experience hallucination or delusion as well. Imagine you were hearing voices that weren't there, and they are telling you nasty, horrible things constantly, and you begin to have the delusion that you're being watched or controlled, closed off like that from reality, I can see how it would be all too easy for someone to diagnose themselves as possessed and choose to go to a priest for help rather than a physician. Because why wouldn't you under the circumstances? And then, unfortunately, as it has happened, if you have a priest or church leader of any denomination who is already of the belief that demonic possession is real and possible, and they see your symptoms just as you do, and they believe you and just want to help you, so either they perform the exorcisms or refer you to an exorcist confirming your original delusion, and we're off to the races, when this all started with an undiagnosed mental illness. You see how someone can be led down this path and a case of the demonic is born? Now, I am not saying this is the case every time. There are honest priests and church leaders who will turn you right back around, out the door, and on your way to a psychiatrist. There are honest exorcists who will do their due diligence and refer you to one. And there are folks out there who have enough clarity to begin with to see a professional about treating their mental illness before turning to biblical or more esoteric routes of treatment. 
suggestibility. Hypnotists can get behind this one. Suggestibility is a trait-like individual difference variable reflecting the general tendency to respond to hypnosis or hypnotic suggestions. And as hypnotists, especially performative hypnotists, understand, the variable they might rely on to do their performance is the individual's difference in their level of suggestibility. But we're not talking about hypnotism. Thinking you are possessed isn't a trickery of your brain to accept the information you've been suggested. Or is it? Suggestion as a psychological phenomenon can contribute to the uncritical or unreasoned responses to a situation. The two types of suggestion that could come into play in a am I possessed or am I not possessed scenario are termed indirect and direct suggestions. Indirect suggestions occur when the implication is hidden. For this term, we might look to more subversive or subliminal messaging one might receive throughout the course of their life up to the point of having possession-like symptoms. We would look at the type of upbringing, the gender, the religious background, personality traits, their current state, or situational factors. In regards to a person's upbringing, gender, religious background, or their personality, there are things said to us, taught to us, done to us in these areas that while they aren't outright forcefully affecting our individual levels of suggestibility to a certain purpose, they are laying foundations and sowing seeds and are indeed undermining our abilities to remain objective and unbiased. The person's current state or situational factors, of course, would work to build upon the level of suggestibility if a high level is already in play. Direct suggestion occurs when the prompt is unconcealed. Many cultures around the world revert to possession as the only possible cause of a person's symptoms because of the stigma associated with mental illness. Yes, you heard that right. In some parts of the world, it is far better to be possessed by a demon than to be sick. According to the paper Delusions of Possession and Religious Coping in Schizophrenia, in an Indian study, 40% of schizophrenic patients were encouraged by their families to accept that they were indeed possessed and encouraged to participate in faith healing instead of seeing a psychiatrist. This has also been the case to an extent in some developed countries like Poland, Spain, and the UK. If your immediate and intimate circle made up of family and friends are suggesting directly to you that the symptoms you are experiencing are not mental illness at all, but caused by the supernatural, and they don't think, but they know that a healer or religious leader can cure you, you can be more likely convinced that that is the case. And that can happen anywhere you reside. People in general are vulnerable to suggestion, yes? If you are told with confidence of a thing, of a quote-unquote fact, if someone said they did their research, if you hear the same story multiple times, it can be easy to fall prey to the suggestion. Case in point, disinformation is rampant nowadays because of people's ability to believe and accept what they are told. We know this. Next is going to be exaggeration and elaboration. In other words... How big was the fish, really? Take the Amityville haunting. I asked, how many grains of truth were there originally? If it was not entirely fabricated, perhaps there were things that originally happened to that family in that house that got exaggerated. Of course, over wine. 
or the story of the exorcist boy. Maybe it did all start out as a prank by the boy, trying to prank his mother, trying to fool the neighborhood kids. But then others got involved. Details got elaborated as they were written down by various priests. Detailed accounts taken from the people who were actually there and written down by people who were not directly involved. Details change over time. Small exaggerations become large exaggerations. And suddenly we have an insane story of a real modern day possession and exorcism of this poor kid. Because look at all of these people involved and the meticulous notes kept in the stories. And look, look, even a book was written. This must have happened just like this because someone somewhere along the line would have called bullshit. But we know how things can get twisted and how important it is to have all of our facts straight. It will not be as glamorous as the larger than life magnified story, but it would be the truth. And then we could base our conclusion upon that. And that's why I'm still so skeptical on a lot of things, because the story will always be more cherished than the truth. And so that's what makes it into history. Something that started out simple became legend. How big was the fish, really? And of course, fabrication. Why would someone lie about being possessed? Or about being in the company of a possessed person? Why does anyone do anything deceitful? And this is the crappy part of not just the study of the demonic or the phenomenon of possession, but the paranormal world as a whole. Why lie? because someone is benefiting in some way, whether that be monetarily, as in the case of P.T. Barnum and his mermaid remains, or some guy on eBay selling a Dybbuk box. They knowingly lied, and people bought it, and they made money. People lie for fame or attention. The Fox sisters and their famous wall knockings at their seances, arguably rock stars of the spiritualism movement, one of them would finally come out in her later years, spilling the beans on the entire hoax. And some people lie for fun or for no good reason at all. The balloon boy, whose family claimed he had been carried away on a homemade balloon, triggering a massive police search, ultimately, officially declared a hoax. The Cottingley Fairies or the woman who, along with the help of her husband, convinced people she had been sexually assaulted by a giant rabbit in 1726 and started giving birth to little bunnies six months later. People are strange, man. But then people lie specifically to perpetuate or support their own beliefs and convictions. To convince someone else of something because the truth is there is no proof or account independent of eyewitness or firsthand testimony to support the belief, religious or political or what have you. So they trick people. And I think that's just the worst of all of the possible reasons. The Salem witch trials. Many, many liars involved in this one makes it a bit more complex but the lie that the devil was directly involved and the ability for others to believe that the devil was involved certainly benefited some. The Shroud of Turin. While it had originally been created by an artist as part of an Easter celebration, the folks who originally saw it on display mistook it for the real thing. And it still sits. Centuries later, its authenticity debated by the faithful and the church in the Cathedral of San Giovanni Battista 
in Turin, Italy today. Is it out of the question to say that the possession of someone by the devil or the existence of the demon is not stoking a fervent belief in God, stoking the faithful's deep desire for salvation, keeping followers in check and coming back over and over again for that sense of security and peace? Or even in the complete opposite scenario with demonolatry, to continue the admiration and worshipping of a demonic figure, these folks work directly with these idols of the demonic, working with their energies, benefiting from these arrangements. It certainly benefits their belief in them with other folk stories that they, too, work with these entities, proclaiming their intimate knowledge of them, professing that they and only they know the truth about them. Are they consciously lying? Maybe some of them. How much of it is actually happening in exactly the way these groups on Reddit will tell you? Who's to say? There's still no proof. But these stories continue to feed into other stories. And now we have a full-on belief system perpetuating itself. Belief in the demon itself, with or without a belief in possession, occurs worldwide. While belief in demons was once nearly ubiquitous in our Western world, belief fell for some time, but has recently had a comeback with exorcists reporting record numbers now of calls and messages asking for their help. According to an article reporting on a poll conducted by YouGov.com, nearly half of Americans believe in the existence of the demon, with 20% saying they have actually encountered one. Out of the 1,000 people who were surveyed, 51% of those who identified as Republican and the third identifying as Democrat believed in their existence. Women surveyed were more likely than men to believe. Those with less education were more likely to believe than those with postgraduate education. But belief is one thing. The reality of what might actually be causing these beliefs and reported encounters to continue are another entirely. Once upon a time... Someone getting sick inexplicably had to have an explanation. Natural disasters had to have an explanation. Deaths and destruction and catastrophe had to have an explanation. Enter evil spirits. As old as our recorded history, are we simply still dealing with the traces of what used to be the only explanation of our more primitive ancestry? It's almost part of our genetic makeup to place blame on the other. And sometimes that other is an unseen other, something that must be evil, something dark and deceptive and mysterious. Hell, these things deserve to be blamed. Makes us feel better about terrible things that happen because, though it is out of our control, we have an explanation. More than that, we have a culprit. Pair this with a religious belief, stories we are told growing up, pop culture we have consumed, and now we are confirmed in our suspicion. But this is all speaking in a more general sense. What about those who claim they have encountered a demonic entity? Of course, we can repeat what's already been said about possession, mental illness, fabrication, suggestibility. Or maybe we can even look at the explanations we've previously covered for when folks see shadow people. Those explanations can also be considered across the board for seeing most entities as a whole. 
sleep paralysis, hypnagogic, hypnopompic hallucinations, you know? How often are these encounters happening in the dark, in the middle of the night, from a deep sleep, not seeing our surroundings clearly? These are everyday, simple explanations that can happen to anyone. No one is immune. The use and overuse of certain drugs and stimulants can cause hallucinations. Pareidolia is another everyday, simple explanation. Our minds are already wired to see faces in our possessions and in our surroundings. Pair that with a heightened sense of fear and an expectation that something is going to happen or a suspicion that your house is already infested. Boom. Demons persist. And just to go back quickly over that YouGov poll I mentioned, ask yourself, why are conservatives more likely to believe or encounter a demonic entity? Why are women more likely? Why are the less educated more likely? And I I don't have any quick answers for that, and I am not going to try right here and now, but it is something to consider. Even simpler explanations, Greg Newkirk, who you might know from the show Hellier, and is a well-known and respected investigator of the paranormal, even he said in an article in Reader's Digest that he has been called into homes where the causes of the paranormal phenomena being reported were actually being caused by carbon monoxide poisoning and mold, which can both cause hallucinations. And the final explanation I want to talk about today that could logically explain your encounter with what you thought was a demon is that You did, in fact, encounter something, just not that. Kristen, I thought this was the episode for skeptics. It still is, because of the gray area in the paranormal. Don't sit there and tell me that if you believe in one thing, you have to believe in the existence of all of them. Come on. Leprechauns? Eh. Yes. This is still my episode for my skeptics because you have the right to believe in things like ghosts and shadow people and Bigfoot and still think that demons are a completely theological concept and absolute hooey to you. I asked it before and I will ask it again. Is it entirely possible that if you are experiencing something paranormal, you know, having yourself a little entity encounter that that figure or thing or phenomenon is actually occurring and you are just misunderstanding or mislabeling it. There's a lot of weird stuff out there, a lot that science still cannot explain, and a ton of entities and phenomena that we have yet to officially discover and bring into our collective conversation. And I guess... At the end of the day, if you are just using the term demon as more of a like a placeholder term, just as I did for the old hag, because you don't know what else to call it. okay, I understand that. But just know that until we can strip away all of the horror and history and theology that is absolutely burying this term, we may never desire to look any closer And the mystery of whatever it was that you experienced, whether it was paranormal or logical, will remain. And I suppose I owe the old hag an apology. I am sorry, old hag. I did not know then what I know now. And I'll commit to doing better next time. P.S. Please don't haunt me. That's going to be it for today, guys. 
if there was an episode when the most skeptics would be tuning in, this was it. So, I want to hear from you guys. Did I miss any glaringly obvious logical explanations? If so, message me and I'll include it in the final conclusion, which is not that far off. If you loved this more skeptical take and want to hear more, I do one every season. It's important to hear from all sides. If you didn't appreciate me poking holes and really didn't appreciate me outing the Amityville story, well, I mean... That's kind of what I do here. So how about you tune in this evening to my IG Live, have a birthday beer with me, and we can talk about it. Yes, the IG Live I mentioned last week is in fact happening this evening. I'd love to see you there. Poke your head in. Say hi. I'll be making some fun announcements and things coming up for the show. I'll be showing you some behind the scenes of the workspace and the infamous renovated walk-in closet, a.k.a. recording booth. And if you've ever had any burning questions for me or desires to know more about me and my fascinating friggin' life, not really, there will be a Q&A. I invite you all to ask me anything you want. Open book here, 6 p.m. Central. It's a date. Rate and review the show wherever you're listening. It really does make a huge difference. Follow the show over on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at ParanormGirlPod. And I encourage you to email me your thoughts or personal stories to feature at the beginning of each episode. I haven't done a What's Spooky With You story in a minute, I know. The research for this season has, in short, been soul-consuming. So now that it's settling down a wee bit, send me your story to paranormgirlpod at gmail.com. I'll get it in there. That's all I got, yo. Except, what's this? Why, it's your final note. To sort of add a little button onto our last explanation today, the paranormal be booming right now, baby. Sightings of UFO and abductions, encounters with ghosts and shadow figures, an uptick in very strange dreams, and yes, reports of possession and encounters with demons are all way up. The reason why? COVID. A New York Times article printed in late 2021 was reporting the increase in paranormal activity during the pandemic. Numerous people were interviewed telling of phantom footsteps up and down stairs or in adjacent empty rooms, lights continually being flipped on when the only resident knew they had not left it that way, or the sound of people talking and conversations taking place with no explanation. Why would a record number of people suddenly be reporting these strange occurrences and encounters and suddenly be claiming their homes to be haunted? Because a record number of people were stuck at home during quarantine. Of course, you're home more often and during hours of the day that you're not usually there, it's out of the ordinary for you. So might make you a little more anxious, hypervigilant to the differences. You're going to notice the creaks and ticks that your house is normally making throughout the day when you're not there. You're going to notice. John E.L. Tenney, who was referenced for the article and also a CBC article on the same topic, speaks about how, just like with what happened during lockdown, he also noticed a similar spike in reported activity and paranormal happenings right before Y2K. Also another spike, albeit smaller, right around 9-11. He said in these times of great stress, it does something to our human psychology. And I agree with that. He recommends if you are noticing things taking place in your home and you're unsure whether it's paranormal or not, 
Start taking notes and writing down the times. I think that's fabulous advice to take, even now, post-lockdown and quarantine, for you to become more aware of the surroundings and hopefully deduce what could logically be causing strange knocking noises or towels continuously dropping to the floor once you leave the room. You know, maybe it is your furnace kicking on. Maybe it's your cat. But every coin has two sides, this one not excluded. Mr. Tenney also makes the argument that the paranormal activity you are experiencing could very well have been taking place all along. During the height of the pandemic, and even now, as a lot of folks have foregone returning to a regular job in exchange for working from home type setups, the only ingredient that has changed in the situation is you. You're there now to be able to witness and experience the paranormal activity that has always been happening, that maybe, you were just never around before to notice. Stay safe, keep the nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.